it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. This Wednesday on the site, we are releasing our 2020 NFL Draft Guide, where you can find all things draft-related leading up to the first round on April 23rd, including scouting reports on each prospect by Danny Kelly and much more. We'll be updating it regularly with new analysis that takes all the latest developments into account. You can check that out on Wednesday on TheRinger.com. All right, welcome to Against All Odds, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Cousin Sal, coming to you live from beautiful Miami Beach, side of Super Bowl 54, actually from my hotel room. Some decent view, nothing great though. This is our annual Propapalooza podcast, one of my favorites, jam-packed show. Later on, Super Bowl champ, former Kansas City Chief, fantasy legend, probably going to be a Hall of Famer, Priest Holmes joins us. We'll have the Degenerate Trifecta. They'll have their favorite props. They narrowed it down to like 30 each, I think. But right now, the podfather himself, Mr. Football. Team is not represented in the game for the first time, I think, in 20 years. Still gracious enough to join us. Bill Simmons, thanks for coming on, buddy. Yeah, it's weird to sit a Super Bowl out. Now I know how everybody else feels. It's kind of used to being in it, Sal. I know. I, you, know you know who's a big uh, Patriots fan is Kofi Kingston. And he was, um, I ran into him yesterday and he was uh, inconsolable about this. Uh, does it get worse for you as the week draws on? Tough, tough six months for Kofi Kingston. He lost the title in about 90 seconds and then the pads right. fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. One probably has something to do with the other. Um, yeah, but it's going to be Are you weird trying to you. avoid being seen in public with Clay Travis or no? <laughs> it's unavoidable. I don't know what he's doing. He's got other dinners lined up every night, which has been a good thing for me. But yeah, <laughs> we're trying to stay separate. By the way, here's a great thing. We haven't, you're going to love this. You're going to freaking love this. So we haven't had uh, a day off since August, you know, aside from the weekends, but you know, late August. So we get a week off the third week in February. We do two more weeks after the Super Bowl, And then I find out this son of a bitch is going the same place I am in Cancun. We're going to have to see each other Seriously? the whole week. This is we're we're trying to avoid each other. This is this is it, yeah. So there you go. Jeez, that's uh that's life. But anyway, this Super Bowl Chiefs minus one, holding steady, fifty four and a half. I think they picked a good line here, Simmons. As of like Wednesday morning, seventy percent of the bets were on Kansas City, but fifty eight percent of the money lines on San Francisco. Most money overalls on Kansas City, but not enough to move it past one and a half. I see mostly ones, ones and a half, uh, one and a half. I like San Francisco and slightly under. I'm going against the grain. And you're holding on to a futures ticket, right? Yeah. And I think that line ends up at Pickham. Yeah. I think the public is on the Chiefs. And I think the Sharps are kind of lying in the in the weeds on the Niners. And I could see it shift into Pickham by uh by game time. And yeah, I before the year I did a not not unsizable bet on the Niners plus three seventy five. And I don't know how many times you and I have been in this situation over the years with the, whether we should hedge or not. I think I've made the wrong decision every single time. So yeah. uh, naturally, I'm probably not going to hedge this. So you could just crown the Chiefs now. Just pour the Gatorade on Andy Reid today. He's, they're going to win the Super Bowl because I'm not hedging. We've never figured out the hedging thing. And I write about this a little in my book. And we, I think we discussed it last week on the, on the Against All Odds with the trifecta. But hedging... There's so many factors involved, right? It's like 
Are you a, a billionaire who has a hundred dollars on the Chiefs at seven to one? Then just freaking let it go. You know, if you're, right. you know, if you're down for the year and need to make some money up, and and you know, you know, you you owe your guy or whatever. Yeah, maybe hedge a little bit. But there's so many factors. It's like saying, um, I don't know, uh, where should I take George Kittle's? Like in my fantasy, like, well, is it PPR? Is it keeper? Is it you know? Is, is it not any of those things? Is it is it snake draft? Like you you need so many other variables answered before you can tell if you should hedge, right? Yeah, and that, you know the goal with any future is you're just trying to grab value. You're not necessarily deciding on who's winning or losing. You're just saying, hey, this is value, and in a couple of weeks or a couple of days or a couple of months, this will be more valuable. With the cheat with the Niners. I, that was a really good bet to have them at plus 375 because now they're basically even to win the Super Bowl. But our issue has always been, what do you do after you've realized the value, but there's still one last game to play? And mm-hmm. I think the most famous and the non-hedge we ever had was not hedging on Trump in 2016. And what I, I didn't follow. I didn't follow up on that. What happened? We lost that. <laughs> well, we had. We had the Pats to win the AFC East at an absurd, oh, yeah. at absurdly low price, combined with with uh, with Hillary Clinton to win the election. And by the time the election was happening, the Pats were way up in the AFC East. We had that locked in, and Trump was like five to one, like four days before the election, and then it dropped right, you know, day up. But we we had the easiest hedge of all time, and none of us, neither of us, wanted to even put $5 on Trump. It just didn't feel right. And then he, we ended up getting smoked like the country. Right. <laughs> I think I would do it again. I know they say, you know what? I lost, but I'd do it again. I think I'd do it again. Yeah. I would not do it again. I would, I oh, would you want to do it again. <laughs> yeah. It's just, that was a lot of money. I, I don't like the, the scenario of losing money. I would not do again. No. And the fact that we got someone to take that parlay, the, the, it, it was ridiculous. It looked like such a winner, right? Just staring at it. It's like, this 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 person's a fool, whoever's taking this. But um, I think the rule of thumb, though, is cover your investment. You don't want to lose money on something that you got multiples on. You know, you have eight, 10 to one odds, whatever. But who also are we to say? I mean, I had that guy on from the, had the blues ticket last year, 200 to one odds. And he was like, nope, I'm not doing it. I'm a fan. I don't want to jinx it. So I'm staying with it. I'm staying with it. And he, he did. He won the whole thing. He could have cashed out multiple times. But um, my thought was, if I hedge it, if I hedge, let's say I, I bet $100 on it, and now I have a chance to win 375 So if I just hedged it for 100 right, I win my money back if the Chiefs win, I break even. Mm-hmm. And then if the Niners win, I win more. But the thing is, like, what's fun about that? If I didn't have anything on this game, I would be betting on the game. And I right. would be betting on the Niners. So if I'm going to bet on the Niners in the game, if I didn't have the bet, why wouldn't I grab this hedge that I have at plus 375 or non-hedge at plus 375? So I I think I'm probably going to do nothing. So again, congratulations to Andy Reid. You've just won your first Super Bowl. There you go. So we don't have, we actually don't have to do any more of this podcast because the Chiefs, it's decided the Chiefs have won. But honestly, though, these props, and we go from the same site. We've been looking. We print them out. We were on the toilet for hours looking at them. There's now close to 500 props on some of these sites, these um, legal sites. And, uh, I mean, it's amazing. You could just go blind. I definitely didn't study this much for my bar exam, the second or third or fourth time. I don't know how many times it took it. Then I have looking at these props. It's insanity. And they come out earlier in the week. Even last week, most of them came out. Um, which ones do you like? Which ones do you stay away from? 
you know, we've been doing we've been doing podcasts together since oh seven. Mm-hmm. And I think we did Super Bowl props even that first year. It wasn't until two thousand nine when you did the Gary Russell, which um you're gonna do on my podcast this week. Right. But I feel like the props are just multiplying year by year. Yeah. We've hit this point where, you know, I remember when you used to print out the sheet for me and it was you know, it was a few pages. It wasn't it wasn't like the Unabomber's manifesto. Right. Was it 900 pages of props? Now it's, it just seems completely overboard now, especially like, did you see the cross sport props? They have college basketball well. games in there that I didn't even know these, these schools had college basketball teams and they're like going against Debo Samuel. And it's like, all right, we've right. gone too far. How do they do it? It's one thing if you have Debo Samuels from South Carolina and he, he put his prop up against South Carolina. But yeah, you're right. I saw North Dakota State in there. I saw some weird things. Like, we get it. Anything you can quantify, you could put against something else. Uh, enough, right? Right. But, we do this every year with props. You have to have a strategy for what you think the game's going to be. Mm-hmm. And then once you have that strategy, then you have to bet the props accordingly. I think one of the wrinkles with this game, and I, and I think you agree with me, these teams are really close and even. And even if yep. the Niners take the lead, and be, it still feels like the Niners, the uh, Chiefs could come back, and it just feels like it's going to be an exciting game. So my first instinct was to look at stuff like, will there be a two-point conversion? Right. And it's yes, plus 110. If this is going to be like a really exciting game, usually there's a two-point conversion. So that seems like a good one. I think overtime, what was that, eight to one? Right. Yep. That's another one. If you know, if you're thinking like this is going to be a wild, crazy, awesome game, I think those are two good bets to do because we've seen the tendency for those two things to happen in crazy games, right? I love uh, the two point conversion. Good. You figure that there's been one attempted, and I think four of the last five or something, something like that. Um, yeah, and if a team gets behind by a weird score couple field goals in there versus a touchdown that that's most likely going to happen yes and i think you do you're right you map it out much like you do with nancy double a tournament brackets like all right who's my final four and then i'll pick um who's going to win this and then i'll pick who's going to win you know make the final four and who's going to win the whole thing and all sorts of things accordingly but yeah i think i like san francisco i'll tell you right now i like them to win the game I like them to win 28-24, so I think it'll be right around the total, and I think it'll be similar to the last couple games we saw where they stifled the offense with the Vikings and the Packers, and then they let Mahomes come back a little bit, and in doing so, they'll probably have to get a two-point conversion in there or something. But what you said about the 8-1, to what did you say, overtime was 8-1? to I think that's excellent. Yeah. I mean, I, I really feel like if these teams played 10 times, it would be 5-5 or 6-4 either way. Um that said, also, like five of the last six Super Bowls were decided in the fourth quarter, some earlier in the fourth quarter than others, like Carolina and Denver. But you're right there. If you can get eight to one, and we already obviously saw an overtime game with your Patriots and the Falcons. I don't know how the hell that happened, but um, I really like that. And, and I, I hate that bet normally, but you have a puncher's chance. I think the Niners are better. I don't think that means they're going to win necessarily because of the Mahomes factor, but I just think their defense is going to be fantastic. Not, I'm not sure the Chiefs are going to be able to block them. I think they're going to have Mahomes on his heels the whole game, and he's still going to create plays. They're going to be able to run the ball on them. There's no question. Teams mm-hmm. have been able to run on them all year. Tennessee was, you know, an exception last week, but Tennessee also, you know, 
KC loaded up on the run and was daring them to do other stuff. The difference with San Francisco is they have a really good offense and they have three receivers that I think are excellent. Yep. And you're just not going to be able to load up on the run the same way. So one of the ones I looked at, and it almost, I, I would have guessed it was lower, but the, just the possession time in the game, the Niners mm-hmm. are minus 150 to have the ball more than the Chiefs will. Is that right? Wow. Yeah, because you figure they're going to run the ball a lot. Their goal is probably to have 40 rushes and a lot of play action, safe passes, things like that. Whereas the Chiefs are so explosive and they can have like a two-minute drive. It just That one really jumped out at me. I thought, I thought minus 150 was a good price. Well, you know, I'm going to look at that because, okay, so you would think like the way the Niners ran all over the Packers and averaging almost seven yards. A, a carry in the uh, NFC Championship. I still think the Packers had the nod for time of possession, so that that gets a little weird with that. It's funny. I bet that in soccer too, and sometimes the dominant team doesn't have the to- time of possession um, wrapped up. But yeah, you have to be a little careful about that. I don't know if that's a sucker bet or if uh, if that's something. There there are a couple sucker bets that I want to talk to you about with that. Um, Mahomes minus a half a touchdown pass over Jimmy G. Minus one forty. I feel like everyone's going to jump on that. Every single person going to bump. And similarly, 49ers minus forty nine and a half rushing yards over the Chiefs. Aren't they going to have one hundred and thirty to sixty or seventy or something? Isn't that going to be the final? Which is a which is a sucker bet? Maybe they both are. I don't understand that Mahomes bet at all. You could have told me that was minus one and a half. I would have believed that. Well, there is one from minus one and a half. It's like plus 150 or something. But yeah, that's um, especially if you think they're going to come back. But in general, I think we look at these and we want to go over. And the odds makers want, uh, the the betting houses want us to go over on a lot of these. But the truth is the under, you can nail a lot of props with under over the years. That there will be a score in the first five minutes. Four of the last five is no. People don't like betting against scoring, but this is a proven winner. And that's only minus 115. The longest touchdown, over 47 and a half yards. I know you have speedsters, you have you have Hill, you have, you know, Kelsey can get open. The Kittle can run one, uh, get one for 55. The unders for the last five, the interception return, the Brady pick six was the only one in the last five Super Bowls against Atlanta. That's his thing, Simmons, you know, throwing pick sixes. But Stop then, it. Um, largest lead under 14 and a half. Four of the last five have gone under. Again, Falcons 28-3 was the only one. In the last five years. So I, I, I would caution people about betting overs. And then now we're probably going to spend 15 minutes talking about which overs we like. Brady's picked six rings. I just want, I just want to tell you that he's picked six different rings that all represent different titles that the New England Patriots. Oh, I see. All right. So there's your pick six. <laughs> it's six rings. My favorite, yeah. my favorite bet is an under ironically. What is it? The Tevin Coleman props. I just don't understand. He's the rushing attempts is minus nine and a half. It was uh, to bet the under on that is minus one fifty five. Under nine and a half. Yeah. His rush yards are thirty eight and a half. The under is minus one thirty five. The dude's hurt. What am I missing? Mm-hmm. He got he got hurt two weeks ago, and they have Mostert, and they have Brita. Why Why would they play an injured guy when they have two healthy guys who are probably better than him? I don't get it. Yeah. What is that problem? The separated shoulders. 10 seem- times? Yeah. 
Well, and he had a separated shoulder, right? That seems to be a big deal. I don't know why. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I don't know a lot about uh, football injuries, but I'm, my guess is that a separated shoulder is a hindrance when you're a running back. And I, I can't figure out what scenario would get him the 10 rushes when he's the third string running back and he's hurt. Mm-hmm. Those two just like, I, I just don't get that at all. I mean, I, I guess, I guess Mostert could get hurt, you know, maybe Breida pulls a calf muscle or something, but even then I don't understand how he'd get to 10. Cause it, they're just going to ride Mostert. He's gotten stronger as the years gone along. And yeah. I think it would be, I think you're allowed to do this. Couldn't you parlay? Mostert's over for rushing yards with the under for Coleman attempts. Do it that way. Cause I don't know. I, I could find a guy. I could probably find a guy, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Joe, Joe House thing, signed up already. Yeah, Joe House is in, he's in line at, at the, uh, what, what's the casino then in uncut gems. He's already doing it. Right. What I was going to say is the separated shoulder. The only, only history I have on a medical medically that I could speak to is, um, lethal weapon. Riggs, Martin Mel Rick. Gibson. Mel Gibson throws yeah. a shoulder at, but he could crack it right back into place by slamming it against a locker. Could even do it underwater. So maybe uh maybe we're underestimating Tevin Coleman here. And I, I also think even if he was healthy, I'm not sure he'd get to 10 carries. I thought Mostert yeah. was incredible two weeks ago. I, I just think he's the guy. And this happens sometimes. You have three running backs and then one emerges over the course of the year and then they just become the guy. And if I'm the Chiefs, I don't want Mostert on the field. Put anyone else out there. I talked to some of the Fox guys, whatever, Schlereth, and they're all like, it doesn't really matter. You could run. That's the joke. You could run through those holes. Those holes are enormous. Yeah. You got wide receivers who block better than anybody. You got Huzjek, the best blocking fullback maybe in the last decade, and you got Kittle. That's what he does even more than uh, receiving yards. He's a, a phenomenal blocker, and they run like 12 schemes at you. So I don't think Mostert – Mostert's weird because he averaged like 43 yards during the – during the, the season and then like 140 in the playoffs. So I do think they'll spread it out a little. I think you're right though about Coleman. I think the under nine and a half is probably. Well, speaking good. of Niners, one of my favorite ones is Debo over mm-hmm. 15 and a half rushing yards minus one Oh five. I think he's gotten more and more exciting as the years gone along. And yeah. they, they're just looking for all these different ways to get him the ball. And last mm-hmm. week, I think he was ready to have a big game, but then they just took a huge lead over the Packers. They didn't need to use him as much, but right. they really try to get him running side to side with little flip passes or handoffs or, you know, pitches or backwards passes, all that stuff. And I just think at least twice they're going to be running him on sweeps. That's pretty good. That's uh, especially what they do. They have receivers in motion every play. They really throw. They've taken, I've said like, Shannon's taken like a gadget offense and turned it into a high probability of success. Like just the, the way he runs his, his, uh, his, his running schemes are incredible. And if Debo Samuels, now there's no such thing as a prop bet that sharps are all over, but if there was, this is the one like sharps, sharp gamblers don't like prop bets in general, but they love Debo everything. They love him over 55 and a half receiving yards. They love him to score a touchdown, a plus plus one fifty. And you're right as miserable I'm going to say miserable because they didn't need to pass against the Packers. Miserable as that passing game was, he had 46 yards and three targets at a 100-yard game against Seattle. I like Debo all over the place. Well, in, in the Packers game, which I got hurt because I had the over on the receiving yards, and they just stopped yeah. throwing once they took the big lead. But I, I just think every 
every month he's gotten better. And I'm especially sensitive to it because the Patriots passed on him. He's like literally the perfect Patriot. But um, I liked him for 12 to 1 too for first TD. Oh, interesting. The first TD odds are never great. But that one, I think he has as good of a chance to score the first TD as anybody. And and I, I was surprised that it was double digits. I thought it would be like six to one. So I'm with you. I think it'll be a pass. I think they get down and they want to build confidence. That's the one thing I know they had when you're averaging seven yards a game, you don't want to throw. But it would have been nice for, especially since I had Jimmy G to throw a touchdown pass on a big parlay that lost. But it would have been nice to get him some confidence. And now, like, you hear weird things all week, all two weeks, like, hey, he didn't throw. Are you, are you looking at him in a big game? It's like, yeah, I think they are. I think Shanahan comes out. If they get inside the 20, he's going to throw. I like Kittle. You like Samuel. I like Kittle at 9-1. to one. He's been out of the mix. The Another sucker bet might be our guy Mostert at 8-1. to one. Why is that so high for a guy coming off of a four-touchdown game? Yeah, that seems too high. He, the thing with the Debo rushing yards, they love to use their receivers either faking reverses or doing real reverses or doing like wide receiver sweeps, all that stuff, because it sets up the inside game. Cause then the linebackers have to pop out because they don't know where the guy's going. And I just think he's going to be heavily involved. So yeah, I like that one. And I liked, uh, you know, going along with the theme of where I just think the Niners D is going to be borderline dominant in this game. It reminds me a little of the Denver Carolina game where it was like Cam Newton, he's incredible, blah, blah, blah. And then Denver's defense just, just they couldn't hold him off. So I was Mm -hmm. looking at Niners over two and a half sacks. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's plus 105. So if they get three sacks, you bet 100, you win 105. I feel like they get three sacks in this game, at least. I do too. I do too. So they have 57 sacks if you include the playoffs. That's tops in the league. They blitz. They remind me of those giant teams they hate, where they put pressure on the quarterback without blitzing. They blitz 20% of the time, and that's the kind of team. Uh, you know, Mahomes threw all his interceptions this year against teams that weren't blitzing. So that's what you got to do. Now, you could flush him out of the pocket, and because he could still throw 60 yards rolling right, it's a different, you know, you're still not out of the woods if you put pressure on him. But I agree with you. I don't think two and a half is hard to get to. They might get three by, by halftime. And they have an ability to rush the passer without blitzing, which is the single most important thing you can have in a big game. Yeah. And they did it in the playoffs. That's why playing off this, Nick Bosa's 20 to one to an MVP. Yeah. All right. So here's the case. If this is, if you're saying the parallel is maybe Denver, Carolina, but a closer game, more exciting, but it's the, the Niners defense is the reason they win the game. And then you look at the Niners offense and it's all spread out, right? Debo has a good game. Kittle, Jimmy G, good, mm-hmm. not great. Most are good, not great. But the defense is awesome. And the reason they win the game. And let's say Bo says three sacks and a strip fumble. Mm-hmm. 20 to one seems like a good, it just seems like good odds. He's the best player in that defense. And if they win, he's going to have to have a huge game. So that's okay. So that was 35 to one, like three days ago. And everyone's pounding that 20 to one. And it's still pretty good value at 20 to one. But the only thing is, look at the Patriots last year. They held the Rams to three points. Like if you're not going to give it to a defensive player holding holding a team to three points, when are you going to get it? And I know Von Miller won it. And there was another, I think two of the last 13 years, a defensive player has won. But it is really tough. It's really tough to not give it to a quarterback who's won nine of the last 13 years. And I just think 
If the Chiefs win, it's almost definitely going to be Mahomes. Like people are taking him at plus one hundred. I was like, no, just take just take the Chiefs. You can get the whole roster for fifteen more cents, you know. Um, but I think Jimmy G is just going to be too handsome to keep him off the podium right there. I think it's going to. You could bet a quarterback to win at minus two twenty five. I think that's that's the way I would go there. But I like laying the heavy juice. Well, the other way you could go if you think Jimmy G is going to win the MVP, that means he's going to have three passing TDs, right? Yeah, he's not going to win with he's yeah, not going to win with two passing TDs. So I think he. Well, I think Brady's won with two. I think there's been a couple that's won with two. You have to look at it, but eh, I, don't know. I don't know. It's not. It's but he's not Tom Brady though. You know, he's kind of yeah potential weak link of this team. You better hope not. Three three <laughs> TDs for him is five to one. Three TD passes exactly. That's five pretty to good. One seems pretty good. Yeah, that's. Pretty I good. have two Mahomes props for you. I just before we get off this MVP thing, I just think like if you have a pick 'em game and one of the quarterbacks is plus two forty or plus, I've seen Jimmy G at plus three thirty still. It's like that's that's pretty good. It, just just grab it there, even if you don't like the 49ers. plus three hundred for a pick 'em game in a quarterback situation. What else? Yeah, that's like? good. You're right. You're right. Uh, two Mahomes props. One is his rushing yards over thirty seven and a half is minus one hundred five. In the case would like be. It. If he's running, if he's running for his life, and they're coming at him, and you know their defense is awesome, and guys are covered, and he's got to use his legs to make some plays. Thirty-seven and a half is probably six scrambles. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to bet it, but I wanted to flag it. It seemed low to me. I, I would actually expect him to be in the forties or higher for uh, rushing yards because mm-hmm. I think he's going to have to use his legs because I think they're going to be chasing him the whole game. I would shop that a little bit because I saw it at 32 and a half. So if you want to go over, um, look, look around there. But I think that number still ballooned up because I know he has over 100 yards rushing in the last two games, but only twice in the 14 games he played before the playoffs has he gone over 32. And if it is like we say, where they only rush four and they're in containment, you're going to see a lot of those running lanes uh, disappear on him. But uh, you're right. It True. only takes one or two runs in there to, to get that over. I think his lo- longest is 11 and a half or something. Yeah, and the reason to stay away would be if the Niners were determined not to let him do that. Because right. he really, in the last two playoff games, he really killed defenses with the ability to just extend plays. And as as a fan of a team that hasn't had a quarterback extend a play with his legs since I was like living in Boston, uh, I was right. jealous. Yeah, no, you should be. And the thing is, you you have to respect his ability to throw, even when he's rolling out and he looks like he's in trouble and has to keep it. So you can't bring everybody in to attack him. You still got to cover your receivers because this guy, like we said, could zip it downfield off balance like 50 yards. So, yeah, that would would open things up a little. Shortest touchdown under one and a half yards is eight and two in the playoffs. I'll let Brother Bry speak to that later, but that seems to that seems to hit. And what'd you have? You had another one? Just a Mahomes interception is even odds. If, yeah. If you if you're in on the Niners defense, and then you think about, you know, Mahomes, he's a gunslinger. He's mm-hmm. gonna try. He's gonna chuck the ball downfield in traffic every once in a while. He's gonna try to, you know, much like Steph Curry, which I think is his basketball doppelganger. He's gonna, yep. you know, try to make plays. He's gonna take the the 27 foot three with a hand in his face, and it just seems like the odds of him at least throwing a pick that is either going to be caught or dropped, I would say is a lock. Now, whether they catch the pick, 
I don't know, but I feel like he's going to at least give them one and maybe a second one where he's throwing it and Bosa's hitting him and the ball's going like straight up in the air. I'd be surprised mm-hmm. if he didn't throw a pick. I like that too. And I also like Sherman to have a pick at four to one. I could see him being, you know, making all the rounds and the talk shows and everything, him having a big game. That's the one that would scare me uh, also, aside oh, yeah. from Bosa. That yeah. sounds awful. Yeah. Jimmy G for MVP. Yeah, <laughs> it does sound bad. What else hey, do we like? Hey, can I ask like? you about – um? So Mahomes completions is 25 and a half. Right. And I went and looked at uh, some of the tougher games he played this season. He threw, he was 36 for 50 in the regular season Tennessee game. Mm -hmm. He was 30 for 44 at Oakland, Mm -hmm. which wasn't a tough game. And then uh, in the, in the really good Baltimore game, he was 27 for 37. Against Denver, he threw 27 completions. They have a good defense. And then against the Pats in Week 14, he was 26 and 40. Last mm-hmm. in the two playoff games, he was at he 23 completions each game, but they really didn't have to throw the ball in the fourth quarter. So right. I, I'm thinking like the Niners and the Shanahan's and Belichick—they've always been a little simpatico on how they uh, do, you know, game scheming stuff like that. My guess mm-hmm. is, especially because they do the zone and the passing, they're just going to do dink and dunk or try to make Mahomes do dink and dunk, right? Shorter passes. We'll let you go down the field. We want you to have 12, 13 play drives. And ef- and eventually we're going to make a play with the front four. Yeah. So that makes me think they, they're not going to want him to go deep. They're not going to want, they're going to want to take away all the over the top stuff. And that makes me think this reminds me of the Pats Super Bowl a couple of years ago where we had the same bet about Brady having to against the Eagles. Well, we lost last, I lost this one last year. No, but remember against the Eagles, one of our big bets was Brady is going to dink and dunk them. Cause that's, what's going to be available. And they're going to try to control the ball that way. We won that. We won that bet in like the third quarter. That one we won. Yeah. I think he's going to have at least 28, 29 completions in this game. Hmm. Well, here's the thing with that. You, well, two things. You know it's not going to be a Raheem Mostert uh, situation where Damian Williams is like, ah, oh, Damian Williams is just eating up the Niners. They're just going to keep handing off to him. That's not happening. The second thing is Mahomes could have 10 completions or nine completions by halftime, and you're not out of it because of what you just said, because they'll have come back, come back he'll throw, you know, he'll, he'll go for Kelsey. Kelsey will have like nine or 10 targets. I kind of like that. I don't, I don't think, I think you're in it until the end for sure with something like that. I also like Jimmy G over 19 and a half completions. I feel like, and it's minus 130. You talk about like a fixed line. Who is he? Yeah. Eight for 18 games. He hasn't hit over 20 completions. It hasn't happened in a month. And now they expect it to happen on the big stage. I, I, I would actually agree that it is going to happen only because 19 and a half is so preposterous based on what we've seen. My fear is that they, they know Jimmy G better than anybody. And my fear is that, they're going to if they, if they're not a hundred percent believers if they're looking at this mm-hmm. like we win the Super Bowl unless Jimmy G fucks this up for us yeah they're just going to take the car keys away yeah maybe like only have them throw in play action and when it's third and eleven like you know draw plays and so like just almost trying to uh, make it so he doesn't defeat them personally versus uh, right all the other stuff that they have be. going I um, think it's time for my 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 prop of the of the Super Bowl. Let's hear it. What do you like? You're going to love this. I'm really proud of this. Spent a lot of time thinking about it. I feel like I'm unveiling the gem and uncut gems to KG. You're KG in this scenario. I'm Adam Sandler. Good. There's a Mavericks Hawks game that day. (laughs) 
Right. As you know, I'm one of the world's premier Mavericks betters. I have a really good feel for when they're going to explode offensively or whether they're going to suck defensively or offensively. One of the things, when they play a shitty defense, mm-hmm. Luca lights it up. Like It's like he, he, we're talking 140 points, 145 points, whatever. Who, they're playing the Hawks, you said? They're playing the Hawks on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Luca right now is minus four and a half over the Chiefs' total points. Hmm. So if we think the Chiefs are going to be in the 20s, basically Luka has to get to like 31 and we win. Even if they're well, in like Chief, the Chiefs low are 30s, 27, right? Chiefs over under is 27 for points scored, 27, 28 right in there. Right. So yeah. you figure Luka's got to get to 31, 32, which is a lot because the Hawks are atrocious defensively, like really atrocious. Yeah. Plus, this is the team that could have picked him and instead traded his rights for Trey Young. So you got that. Oh, wow. Then you have okay. the whole thing. All right, let's say the Chiefs get in the 30s. Let's say they get to like 35 points. Well, Luka could still beat that. He could have 40. Yeah. I think it's a great bet. I'm all in on it. On top of the fact that if the Niners defense does what we think it could do, maybe the Chiefs end up at 22 points. Mm, I like that. So there Sorry, you go. Luka Doncic, my hero. I'm I'm riding him on Super Bowl Sunday. We'll do that for sure. Now there's another one here. This one doesn't pay off for like three weeks. I don't. I, I haven't really seen anything like this where they have something that's not it doesn't compete on the same weekend or the same day. Wilder Fury completed rounds. This is like February 22nd or something, 18th or something. Wilder Fury completed rounds versus the distance of Jimmy G's first touchdown pass. Jimmy G's first touchdown pass minus one and a half yards. So. Wilder Fury is expected to go 10 and a half rounds. It could go three. It could go four. Um, whatever. It, let's say it goes the distance. 12, Jimmy G's first touchdown pass would have to be 14 yards. I really like that. His first touchdown pass could only need to be seven or eight, and you can win this bet. What do you think? So you like Jimmy You like Jimmy G to win that prop? I do, yeah. You don't like that? I Here's what I don't understand. I, I, I'm, there's so many conflicting reports about Tyson Fury, how fat he is right now, how crazy he is right now. What if that fight's over and around? That's what I, I mean. Jimmy G would have to do is throw like a three-yarder? Yeah, I like the under anyway. Yeah. That's pretty good. All right. I like it. You like Jimmy G. I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm all over him. He could really let me down, and he cost me a lot a couple weeks ago by not throwing a touchdown pass, but you know, Shanahan's like, you know, he doesn't need to apologize to anybody for the, all the rushing success we've had. Like, And I think that's, uh, I think he's going to short circuit that a little bit. I think he turns that around. I have one more prop. Go ahead. Over under of Kevin Hench text to me about the terrible Mookie Betts trade that the Red Sox are going to make over these next seven days. <laughs> Minus 40 over the total points of this game. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Is that real? Yeah, so what's the what's the over under of this game? Uh fifty four. So Hench would so ninety five techs Hench yeah. covers. And I think it's I think it's a bargain. I would urge everybody to uh to bet that before the line shoots up. That seems like. Okay. I like that. <laughs> it's gonna be the all time the all time meltdown he's ever had on text, ever. It's going to be a terrible trade. It's going to be 40 cents of the dollar, and he's going to lose his mind. 
You don't think he'll split the focus on Jimmy G if he wins and what that meant and what the Patriots could have had and all that? You think it's all going to be bets? Yeah, that is possible. <laughs> yeah. R- rough times for Hench. But oh, good yeah. times for somebody who's insane and who actually likes it more when things are going wrong. <laughs> it's <laughs> These are great times. He's a maniac. Uh, I'll do a couple more, and then I want to do Captain Morgan. One scoreless quarter is plus 375, two of the last three Super Bowls. Uh, this is another one where you want to bet over odds and everything, but there's been a scoreless quarter in two of the last three. The two at Brady was in two of them. Um, that's plus 375. I think that's good. Let's talk jersey number, over under 26 and a half. If you like the under, I think you're getting everyone except Kittle, Mostert, and Kelsey for the first touchdown scored. Is that true? I think so, right? Aren't all the Debo's and all the uh, Tyree kills and everybody that 10 and you know, like uh, Cole Hardman. I don't know. I'll have to look into it. What's the exact number? 26 and a half, which is weird. Cause I don't think there was a 26 that or a 27 that could, uh, you know, ruin this. Williams on the chiefs is 26. Yeah. That's what I mean. You could go under with these guys. Yeah. See that, that one seems like a sucker bet to me. Yeah. Oh, you think it so? It almost seems like be one of those. Yeah, three. it seems like that should have been twenty-five, and then you get Williams and Kelsey and Kittle and mm-hmm. uh, and the other person you mentioned. Yeah, the other one I want to say first penalty Chiefs minus one twenty, kind of undisciplined a couple of weeks ago. Nine for sixty-one yards for the Titans, jumping off sides all over the place. San Francisco, they got their shit in order. Two for ten yards. I like the Chiefs first penalty at uh, almost even odds. Kittle, 75 and a half yards. I'm all over the Niners here. The fifth worst versus tight ends, the Chiefs are. San Francisco's the best defensively against tight ends. Um, so maybe stay away from uh, Kelsey. I was surprised by the Kittle numbers that basically if he goes for six for 80, you win every Kittle prop. But then you go yeah. look at his playoff game log, and they're really using him more as a blocker than anything the first couple playoff games. Right. It just seems like every time they throw to him, he's completely unstoppable, which is the same way I feel about Kelsey. Yeah. But it's much harder to, I think, deal with Kittle if they decide to start targeting him because he's such a good blocker and they do so much play Mm -hmm. action. The Chiefs are more like when they're passing, you know they're passing, you know. That seems like the safe route, right? If you, like, all right, Shanahan's like, I don't want to embarrass our quarterback here, our Super Bowl winning quarterback by, um, only having him throw another six passes, but we know the safe route is Kittle. So if he hits 10 or 12 targets, seven or eight receptions, he could have a big game. He could have a Gronk type game. Um, one of those guys, one of those tight, who was it? Ross? I think Ross for the Bengals set the record for tight ends. I could see it being a similar thing. We're going to do that Gary Russell Memorial Obscure Player Losing Prop Bet of the Year on your podcast. But right now, it's uh, time for our sponsored segment, Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino each week. We set sail tackling pretend propositions related to sports and pop culture events. The captain kept it simple this week. Kobe Bryant taken from us, uh, along with his daughter, Gianna, and seven others. Simmons did a nice tribute. Chris Ryan, my cousin Jimmy, dedicated a full hour. 15 times he was on Kimmel. Isn't that crazy? I would have thought like a half a dozen. But um, 15 times. I mean, you start chalking up like 17, 18 years on these uh, talk shows. You're going to get a guy like Kobe on 15 times, but I just want to say he was the, this is a gambling podcast. He was the ultimate. You can't bet against this guy, guy, right? Like you could show highlights of game winning shots all day and all night. Uh, we're going to miss him. 
And the captain misses him already and asks very simply, what was Kobe's greatest moment? Was it his 81-point game versus the Raptors, 5-2 to two odds, sinking two free throws versus the Warriors with a torn Achilles, 3-1? to one. The first title run, the alley-oop to Shaq in a 15-point comeback versus Portland, 9-2. to two. U.S. Olympic gold, take your pick, 2008-2012, 7-1. Winning an Oscar, 12-1, to one, or are you going to go field, 3-1? to one. Bill Simmons, take it away. I personally think it was the 2008 gold medal game because that's really? coming off uh, a really devastating 04 when uh, they lost to Argentina. And just in general, our whole international basketball plan seemed like it was falling apart. In general, like, you know, we were kind of losing our grip on the steering wheel. Uh, there was a bunch of foreign players coming into the league that were dominating like Nash and Nowitzki and people like that. And it didn't seem like we had a roadmap to be like the dominant, you know, country again. So they load that 08 team. They're playing in the middle of night. I forget where, I think it was in China and, Mm -hmm. uh, and going against Spain and the Gasol brothers and Ricky Rubio. And that team has been playing together forever. And that team is going to take the gold medal from us. And this is a stage that Kobe was at where he had just lost the 2008 finals to Boston. It seemed like it was becoming LeBron's league and Wade's league and Carmelo's league, all that stuff. And it seemed like Kobe had maybe missed his shot to mm-hmm. win another title, all that stuff. And the fourth quarter takes over, puts team on his back. Everyone else has the deer in the headlights. And he's like, I got this. And for the next four minutes, took over the game and wins the game. And from that moment on, that leads to the 09 finals that leads to the 2010 finals and the second prime that he had when he became not just one of the 25 best players ever, but now he vaults into the top 10. And I think it all started with that gold medal game. So I'd vote for that. You can't go wrong there. And the fact that he did only wear two jerseys in his life that, well, he changed his number, but U S Olympic team Lakers, that, that speaks a lot. And I know it's hit, it's hit LA like 30% harder than, than, uh, I mean, I'm in Miami. Everyone was really bummed, but I feel like they're getting over a little bit there. I mean, you, you have to think that back by you people still outside the Staples center chanting, there's nothing going on in the Staples center. They canceled the Tuesday game. Um, I would say number one, this is silly probably, but the Matt Barnes flinch play. I feel like I learned a lot about Kobe and his psyche and, his maniacal dedication to to focus with that flinch play. And people say it's been debunked. I don't, I, it, so Matt Barnes pretends to throw the ball in his face from six inches away. And Kobe does not flinch at all. And we've seen an overhead look at it. They're like, oh, that wasn't true. The ball was like a foot away from his head to his right. I was like, no, there's an overhead shot. You see it's right in his face. He's unfo- he, he, He's unfazed. He doesn't move at all. Like that's, no one could do that. Like people could dunk, people can make threes. I don't think anyone would ever not even flinch at that. It, it just, it's a testament to how, like I said, maniacal the focus was. And, you know, same thing. Remember Chris Rock and uh, David Spade making jokes eight inches from his head. He's like in a different world. And really that's what it took to be Kobe. That was a phenomenal. Um, I mean, you remember that, right? Oh yeah. I, you know, he'd have, it's funny, like a lot of his greatest moments weren't actual like games in the traditional way where you'd go like, yeah. all right, what were LeBron's greatest games? And you could rattle off all these. Kobe's greatest games were always like 
game one of some series when he just would set the tone by destroying the Spurs or the Kings or, you know, like I think my favorite Kobe basketball just moment was probably game four, Oh six against the Suns, a game that I actually went to with my dad, but they're down three. There's no time left. They get a basket, but then they have to like basically get the steal. I think they're down two actually. And there's six seconds left. They basically just have to get a steal because the net, the Suns had Nash. You throw the ball to Nash. He's going to make two free throws. Game's over. And they throw it to Nash. And Kobe just, it's like, I'm taking the ball from this guy. <laughs> and yeah. probably committed, you know, a re, probably three fouls in the play, but he didn't care. And he's just like, <laughs> I'm just getting the ball. And he goes and takes it and then makes the layup. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool, too. I just, you know, Jordan says fierce competitor. You hear fierce competitor. It doesn't do it enough justice. It really doesn't. I mean, he was tops in terms of that. Just, he was amazing. My favorite Kimmel moment with him was after they won the 09 title. Mm -hmm. And he had the whole team on Kimmel. Remember? And he brought Adam Morrison. And it was like watching a teacher with his fifth grade students. Like he was just so clearly the dominant personality. He didn't know how much of it was contrived, how much of it was real. But it was. Yeah. It was so, it was like Kobe and his teammates. It wasn't like the mm-hmm. 2009 Lakers. Right. He did it all. He was a head coach too. Uh, I love that. By the way, I watched that back. We had a, a bit called Adam Morrison's greatest contributions to the uh, 2010 NBA Finals, and it was a montage of him just in a suit, like clapping and like you know going for a fist bump that's not there, and uh, and you could they put they did a good job because you could hear the players dying laughing while it was rolled out, but. Ah, it's going to be missed. All right, that's another week of Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. No matter how you live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. Bill Simmons, final score. You ready or you're not? I'm not ready yet. I'm going to have to give that one out on my podcast. I I have last minute research, but I do. I am 99.9% leaning toward the Niners. All right. All right, listen, don't hedge. Hedging is for gardeners. Keep your bet. And we will be right back with a Degenerate Trifecta. Against All Odds is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of The Ringer. You've probably heard us talk the past few weeks about FanDuel Sportsbook. And if you have, you're probably expecting us to have plenty to say about betting big game props on FanDuel's best-in-class sports betting app. And if you're not in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, or West Virginia, where FanDuel Sportsbook is available, you're probably feeling like FanDuel is really rubbing it in when they tell you how you can place your first bet risk-free and get up to 500 bucks back in site credit if you don't win. And FanDuel feels terrible about all that. In fact, if FanDuel had it their way, you'd be able to place bets on FanDuel Sportsbook all over this great nation. But until that happy day comes, FanDuel can't stand the idea of fans like you missing out on the big game props action. That's why FanDuel is making their free big game contest available if FanDuel Sportsbook isn't online in your state yet. Here's how it works. The contest is called Big Game Props Pick'em, and it's really easy to play. Everyone gets the same 15 props, like the coin toss, Gatorade color, total rushing yards, and more. And all you need to do is pick the right answers. If you can pick 12 out of 15 props right, you'll win 100 bucks. Go 15 for 15, and you'll win 15 grand. And best of all, FanDuel's Big Game Props Pick'em Contest is 100% free to play. If you're ready to get in on the action, head to fanduel.com props to make your picks. And if you're new to FanDuel, be sure to use promo code ODDS so they know we sent you. That's fanduel.com slash props, promo code O-D-D-S. 
And now the legal stuff. Must be 21 years or older and located in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Indiana to claim your risk-free first bet on FanDuel Sportsbook. Visit sportsbook.fanduel.com for applicable terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. All right, welcome back to Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, coming to you live from a hotel room in Miami, our special Super Bowl Propapalooza edition. Just got done going over various props with the podfather, Bill Simmons. Now we're about to take it to the next level as I bring on my gurus of gambling, my wizards of wagering, my barons of betting, my overlords of the odds, the degenerate trifecta, Harry, Brother Brian, Darren, the parlay kid. What's happening, fellas? What's going on, Sal? Sal, what's up? What's going on, buddy? Well, one of the members, I should point out, one of the members of the degenerate trifecta is um, degenerate trifucked up right now. Our very <laughs> own Harry is actually calling in from a hospital room in Arizona. He's laid up. This is not a joke. He's laid up with diverticulitis, we think. That's an intestinal disease. Harry, what the hell happened? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I do the, uh, I do the hot air balloon, and then a day later, my stomach's killing me. And uh, yesterday I went to the hospital, uh, uh, my doc saw my doctor at seven in the morning and then they sent me to the emergency room and I've been here since and I don't know when I'm leaving. And they definitely think it's diverticulitis? Yeah, I mean, it, it might be, a, they're still waiting to see, uh, uh, to be able to tell I've had, uh, um, mm. uh, yeah, I've had every, well, every you sound test done. You sound worse than you did like even 30 seconds ago. You sound muffled. I don't know what happened, but um, I've had. I've had uh, every you know, test you know with diverticulitis, you can't eat seeds, you can't eat popcorn. You're kind of screwed. You can't eat popcorn, anything like that. Right, and I can't. Right now, I haven't. I haven't had any water. I'm not going to be able to have any water for the re- for the whole day. Uh, uh, I've had a, every test done, so just trying to see if I, I have a little bit of a tear in my colon. So if that heals all right, then I don't have to uh, have surgery. I'll know more uh, within the next 24 to 36 hours about that. So great. All right. So good news all around. It's been a big week. Yeah. The balloon right. ride. You somehow survived the balloon, hot air balloon flight. And uh, and now you're here at, on the phone. Which, by, which by the way, by the way, if yeah. you guys know, if you guys didn't know, hot air balloon rides, they don't land uh, smoothly. Just letting you know, there's no way of landing smoothly. You you hit hard. All right. So, Harry, what do you mean? What do you mean these things land hard? Like there's no like I was in uh, my basket was a huge basket. There was like 16. Sure, to 18 I believe that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh, you do, there's no like it's not a smooth like drop like you land and hit hard and then you like grind on the ground and then you pop back up and then you grind back on the ground and hit hard again until you actually really slow down. And then you have, then you flip the back. The basket actually flips over. Uh, for most of them, but since ours was a big basket, we actually st- uh, stood up still when we landed. But you land hard, like it's, it's like you're coming down, and there's no smooth landing at all. The basket flips over. What the hell? What yeah. are you talking about? Like when, like it, it, like when you land, the basket like sort of tips over because that's the way when it's landing, the the speed of that it's coming down on, it flips yeah. over. Oh man, this doesn't sound yeah, good, so. Parlay Kid. Parlay Kid, I, I want to think. Only it was only two years ago, almost to the day that Harry was in the best shape of his life. 
He lost 55 pounds. He only had to lose 52 pounds. He lost 55. And now it's really coming apart. He barely survives a hot air balloon. We haven't had enough uh, aerial uh, tragedy this week. And now he's got diverticulitis. What's going on? Well, Sal, is this... I, I could have sworn Harry had the same thing about a year ago. I, I don't know. Isn't this the same exact thing yeah. he had? Harry, um, Harry, it was two years ago, right, Harry? And then uh, two years ago, you, two you years found ago. you found out after like a million tests, it was gas, right? After all that, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, gas, and that, that was okay, right on that, now. Yeah, two that's right, that's right. So this is nothing new to the podcast. I mean, you you had appendicitis. Hey, Sal's, Sal's done it from the hospital too. Yeah, you had appendix. You know, you had your appendix removed. Right. I I think I did it like an hour or two after a colonoscopy uh, last uh-huh. year. Uh, so you know. Kudos to this uh, crew of uh, of ours for, uh, f- you know, getting through it and um, doing what we got to do. We really right? dig so, deep. Yeah. Yeah. We dig yeah. deep for the for the people. Yeah. And Brian, we'll include Brian in that. Brian almost is always an hour away from coming off of like a thousand dollar tennis parlay loss or something. So, yeah, I mean, just emotionally. <laughs> for sure. He's for sure. I would Maybe say, yeah, severe like depression. You know, we're, I, I'm still here. I'm still here. <laughs> Right, there's a prop, Ron birdies in the fourth round, Chiefs touchdowns, or Harry weeks to live. Which one are you going with? <laughs> uh, Harry to live. I, I will say we, we give Harry a lot of shit, uh, but do. I do give I do give him a lot of credit for, uh, you know, last night he was texting me saying, you know, he had like 103 or 104 fever. So I didn't think it was looking good, but but the guy, uh, the guy's tough. He showed up. So, you know, I won't give him too much shit today. There you go. Well, thanks for yep. staying on, Harry. Jim Cunningham, do you have any thoughts on Harry? I just hope you feel better, Harry. Get well soon. Thanks, Jim. I mean, the 2020 is <laughs> off to a bang. I'm about five grand into hospital bills, and I'm 0 for 20. All right, never mind. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, listen. Let's turn it around. We have a bunch of props to give out to everyone. Uh, this is your guys' favorite props. I somehow got you down to narrow, uh, narrow it down to like uh, five each or something. And I know you had, uh, there are hundreds of them out there. Some are generic, some are out there. We have uh, Chiefs legend Priest Holmes coming up after that. Parley Kid, why don't you start us off? You like Patrick Mahomes. What a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Like Mahomes over two and a half touchdowns passes at plus yeah. 110. Uh, you know, so if you actually look back through his season this year, I think if you take away his first two games and take away his last two games, he was rarely over two. So you might look at this and um, question why I'm doing it, but you get the kind of feeling like these last two games that he's played is kind of like the Patrick Mahomes chief offense from last year when he threw 50 touchdown passes. And for I think for the Chiefs to win this game, he's got to throw minimum three, probably four. Um, and they're throwing whether they're behind, whether they're ahead. That's what they do. I think this is very good value at plus 110 for him to go over two and a half. So really like this one. I think everybody should jump on it. It's not bad. It is. I mean, he's obviously the last couple of weeks he's been there. You, you got that almost beat by halftime. Did you have it by halftime in both the Texans and the Titans? I'm not sure. Was it 17-7? Maybe, maybe it was like three. I don't know. Yeah, like but, right uh, in the beginning of the third we had it, yeah. Man, I talked with Simmons about this. Mahomes is minus a half a touchdown, minus 140 over yes. Jimmy G. Yes. I don't know if that's a sucker bet or what the hell's going on with yep, that, but another one. it's interesting with Mahomes. Uh, but at even odds, you, you can't you can't go against his greatness here. I don't think a plus 110. Brother Bry, 
hit us with it. This is the one that's been winning all through the playoffs, all throughout your life. It's like it's like the best thing going for us right now. What's the prop? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the only bet I just continue to hit. Uh, I talk about it pretty much uh, every week. It's the under one and a half shortest touchdown. Uh, it's minus 160, which I actually still can't believe it's minus 160. I thought this would have been like minus 180, minus 190. I've laid out the stats a few times, but look, it's five and two. Um, the under one and a half is five and two the last seven Super Bowls. It's 45 and 10 the last eight years in divisional uh, conference play and the Super Bowl. So I still think at minus 160, it's good value, uh, regardless of Harry jumping on it uh, throughout the week and, <laughs> and maybe jinxing it. Um, but I, I still have to take it. I think uh, I'm still surprised it's minus 160 because you, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of that. points, right, Sal? So, I, or at least we think yeah. there's going to be a lot of chances in this game. So, so why not? I think the over under is six touchdowns and get five and a half, six touchdowns right in there for the entire game. Uh, obviously pass interference helps you and everything. Yeah. Harry jinxed you by taking this uh, and not giving you credit on uh, one of his many, many, um, uh, writing forums online. Now, Jim Jim Cunningham could f- reverse jinx it, I think. I think only Jim has the power, the $2 That's million dollar power to reverse <laughs> jinx it. So, Jim, you figure out how to reverse this, okay? That's true. Yep, you got it. Harry, jump in here. Debo Samuel, I'll say this. I've heard, I don't think there's a such thing as a sharp player's prop because sharp gamblers, sharp sports bettors don't like props. They think it's a waste of money. But... Debo to score a touchdown. Debo's the one. Debo's the one everyone's all over. Well, the Sharps, at least. And you like him to score a touchdown. Yeah, he's been their most popular receiver in the playoffs so far. Uh, Five receptions, not a lot, but nine targets. uh, Has uh, doubled up their uh, closest uh, receiver, Kendrick Bourne, in the playoffs in receiving yards. Uh, He also also almost uh, mentioned it last week, almost broke that uh, uh, first quarter championship game against the Packers for a touchdown. Uh, would have been a 70-yarder. Uh, he just slipped and fell and got tackled. Uh, otherwise, he would have had a big play there. Um, uh, he In two playoff games, he's got 49 yak yards, most uh, on the team by by anyone by double. Um, he's got three touchdowns this year in the regular season by receiving. Also had three rushing. So he's a guy that maybe you can look for for a trick play for San Fran uh, to get something going here. And maybe he's a... Uh, He's on the receiving end of a touchdown where they have a, like a double reverse or something. So I think he's the guy to maybe look out for for a situation like this. And uh, also, you know, like I said, he's the leading receiver, too. So just to score a touchdown to plus 150, I think that's pretty good value. Uh, we're, yeah, we're going to go over first touchdown scored a little later. This is just to score a t- anytime touchdown plus 150. And like you said, Debo, even I don't know. What did he throw eight times uh, last in the championship game? Garoppolo still threw three to Debo. I'm all for Jimmy G props over 19 completions. I think he's going to throw a lot, maybe not a lot, but a lot, lot more for sure than we saw last Sunday against Green Bay. Debo to score a touchdown. Uh, It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a Sharps favorite plus 150. All right, Parlay Kid, total number of players to have a passing attempt in the game over two and a half plus 130. Who's the third? That's a good question, Sal. Uh, if you look back at previous Super Bowls uh, last year, this did not hit. Uh, the previous three Super Bowls, this prop hit. Uh, look, you can get this a number of different ways, right? Uh, an injury to a quarterback. Uh, let's hope that's not the case. Uh, but even if somebody came in to QB for a few plays and threw a pass, that could happen. Obviously, a trick play uh, with the receiver throwing a ball, a running back throwing the ball. 
or a fake punt, fake field goal, uh, you can get this. So all you need is one person to throw one pass at plus 130. Uh, two years ago in the uh, Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl, both teams, the Patriots and the Eagles, both had mm-hmm. uh, additional players besides their starting quarterbacks throw a pass. I, I think we may see this year with a couple weeks preparation from Shanahan and Reed. Uh, I kind of like this one to hit at plus 130. The one that the thing that's exciting about this is that they'll, they'll do like a jet sweep the Chiefs will to McCall Hardman or something. Right. And he'll look to throw and then he'll see there's nothing downfield and he'll just run out of bounds for like a four yard gain. Now, that, this is an exciting <laughs> bet. I do like. I do like this bet. I like the plus 130. History will dictate that uh, this is a solid bet. And Harry, you agree with this? Yeah, like Parlay Kid said, it's hit uh, basically, th- it's, it has hit three out of the last four times. It's hit four out of the last six times. And this is a fun bet because you can only win up until the very end of the game. You can only win. You can't lose until the very end. So you have action. Either you win or you have action throughout the entire Super Bowl. <laughs> That is a good point. That's true. I mean, aren't a lot of us like that? That goes for a lot yeah. of things, but that is true. <laughs> that's, 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 that's uh, all right, Brother Bry, 49. It's true. Like, if you have the color of the Gatorade, you can't lose that in the first quarter. In fact, you, not, not even in the fourth quarter. You got after the game. It's a yeah, lot of Gatorade, you're going up against six colors. Five and a half, five and a half hours. Uh, all right, Brother Bry, 49ers first quarter. Yeah, I like I, this as well. Yeah, I love the 49ers first quarter. But let me ask you this. I, you guys can weigh on this, too, maybe at the end of this. But if you prefer the 49ers minus 110 for the first quarter or getting a half a point at minus 165, I'm just wondering if minus 165 is too steep and just play worst case you play for the push, maybe. But you guys can weigh on that. But we've seen Casey struggle all year in the first quarter against teams that are over 500. The Chiefs were two, five and one in the first quarter. Uh, they, you know, and we obviously saw what happened in those first two playoff games where they were terrible coming out of the gate. We even saw them against the Raiders earlier in the year, against the Lions early in the year. They really struggled, and for whatever reason, the first quarter has not been. A, it's it's taken them till the second quarter, which they've been awesome in, but that first quarter has been a struggle. Meanwhile, San Francisco has been one of the better teams in the first quarter. They have a plus two point six point differential in the first quarter, whereas Kansas City is minus uh, point eight. So I think. You know, I mean, they're both minus one ten. If you, it's it's a pick them either way. But um, I I do love that. I think worst case you get a push here. Uh, but I like 49ers coming out strong. Yeah, I like the 49ers in the first quarter early on and in the game. I think they control you know time and possession. Kind of same thing they did against the uh, Vikings and the Packers. Before you know it, it's like fourteen three or fourteen six or something. Uh I think I would lay the 165 and take the half a point because we've seen some zero zeros in there. Uh, true. But 165 is a lot if you don't know if you're getting the ball in the first quarter. That's the only problem. You could be down, you could automatically be down one possession. You know what I mean? I think both teams would take the ball if they won the toss, but I don't mind that. I like uh plus a half and minus 165 49ers. I think they get off to a, a better start. Parley kid, will there be an overtime? All right, I like this. You say yes. Yeah, I say yes at plus 800 here, Sal. Oh, I, you know, this number probably should be more than plus 800, being that this has only happened once in the history of Super Bowl. So uh, the number probably should be a bit bigger. But, man, this matchup, uh, to me, 
can you just see it being a tie game coming down to the wire here? Sure. I really just feel like this is the type of game, uh, if any Super Bowl could go into overtime, this is the one. This is just a gut feeling, Sal. There's no, there's no uh, obviously, numbers to really, really validate this point, but I think this is a fun wager to put on. You could put a little bit of money on it. Uh, you know, somebody doesn't wager that much, put 25 bucks on with a chance to win 200 or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And you have a little fun with it. And uh, how great would that be if this game went into overtime? We could all root for it. That's for sure. And uh, <clears throat> sorry about that. So let's take this. Let's take this and uh, root for overtime. And worst case, uh, maybe it helps you um, cover some other losses if, if that game goes into overtime. And correct me if I'm wrong, this bet is not dead until the very end, right? That's right. That's right. No, actually, yeah. actually, right, actually, 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 that's not true. Actually, that's now not I'm true. Tr- now I'm keeping track of this. No, it is true, Harry. No matter what. If it's, if it's 34 to 3 in the, with five minutes to 10 minutes to go in the game, you have no shot at overtime. Yeah. What if it's 28-3 with 10 minutes to go in the game and Ooh. you're the Patriots and Falcons? This is a good bet. I'm, 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 I'm backing you up here, Harry. I'm saying... Uh, <laughs> And I'll say this, Parley Kid, I think there are numbers to validate. Well, first of all, all, all my analysis is like, shit, if these two teams played 10 times, it's probably 5-5 five, five or 6-4. Right, so exactly. I would think, I think it's going to be a close game. The other thing is, you look at these Super Bowls, I think the last five have been decided in the fourth quarter, some yes. a little earlier in the fourth quarter. But I think you have to go back to Seattle-Denver when we had a last yes. blowout. That was 43-8. 40, right. Obviously, the Patriots did go to overtime with the, with the Falcons. So. Why not? Eight to one is pretty good. Now someone might try a stupid two point conversion along the way and screw everything up. Uh, Bri, you like a uh, you like a close game too after after kickoff. Yeah, that's the thing. I think we we're all uh, expecting a close game here, so it's the one reason I like um, a tie after zero zero. So that's pretty much a pick 'em mm-hmm. bet minus one ten. But I love the I I think I bet that's the last few years. Um, I just love it because. You know, I just, it, it's a fun bet. It's something you could kind of win right away if, you know, if you get, obviously it's 3-3 three, three or 7-7. Seven, seven. Um, but this bet has hit three years in a row. I think last year was 3-3. Three, three. 2018, it was 3-3. Three, three. Uh, 2017 in the Pats-Falcons, obviously that didn't happen until the end of the game when it was 28-28. But uh, yeah, so it's hit the last three, hitting four of the last five. But again, it's just a fun one. You know, you're rooting for a close game. I expect a close game here. So why not potentially win a bet right away in the first quarter or the uh, or the second quarter? And what are the odds on zero zero or it, a tied after mi- zero zero? Yeah, it's minus one ten. You know, you're not laying right. anything yeah. here. So it's you know what this is like. This is like buying buying the good squares in the pool. This is like you're kind of buying one one zero zero three three eight right. eight everything we talked exactly. about four exactly. four. So so that's uh. That's a fun thought. All right, Harry, let's get you back in the mix. Um, you're going on the f- defensive side of the ball here. Fred Warner. Yeah, I'm going to take Fred Warner over six and a half solo and assisted tackles combined at minus 145. Uh, Warner led San Francisco in the regular season with 118 total tackles. He also is leading the Niners with 13 through the first two playoff games. He had 89 solo, solo tackles during the regular season, 25 more than the next closest linebacker. Uh, Dre Green, Greenlaw, uh, Warner's also, he's all over the field. I mean, he had three forced fumbles this year. He also had nine pass defenses more than any other Niner that isn't part of the secondary. And frankly, uh, this seems like it should be even higher than at minus 145 on the price. 
Uh, so I'd, I'd jump all over Warner at minus 145. I would think that'd get higher. But uh, over six and a half in a game like this, I think that's a sol- solid lock play. All right. Fred uh, Fred Warner over six and a half tackles. Parlay kid, this one I'm not sure about. Mahomes' longest rush over 11 and a half yards. I think his rushing total is 30. Talked about it with Simmons. His rushing total. What the hell is it? It's 30. I mean, he had it's 32 and a half. I would go under the rushing total because yeah. I think that number is inflated because of the last two games. Sure. Or if you look at like and it only went over two of the last 14. But you're going individual run here. You think he'll get one for over 11 and a half? Yeah, I, so I'm just watching the last uh, couple games really closely. Uh, I've noticed they've actually I think one or two of these have been almost by design where Mahomes uh, receivers either line up on the left or right and drag right to left or left to right, whatever. And he literally Mm -hmm. rolls into that. So if he rolls right, the receivers are all going left and he scampers almost untouched uh, for uh, anywhere from 15 to 20 yards. uh, Now twice, Uh, he had a 21 yard run, I think this past week and maybe 27 yards in the first playoff game for them. Uh, I honestly think that some of these are almost by design, and I think there's, they're going to have one or two of those up there. So even let's face it, this is the last game of the year. So if a quarterback is going to run more, this is the game he's going to do it in too. With really, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're leaving it all out on the table here. A lot of these other games, the regular season games, the coaches probably prefer if Patrick Mahomes is not running the ball. So I think you could throw all those other numbers away for the rest of the season and look at these last few games, these playoff games, these must win games. They've ran him more often Mm -hmm. than you would think they would. I think that continues this week. He'll scamper for one that goes over 11 and a half at minus 110. So let's take that. Hmm. Now, let me ask you, Paul, could this, could this barring injury, could this bet be dead in the first quarter or would you still be alive in the fourth quarter if it didn't hit for the first three? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Well, there's I, another I, one. There's, there's, I, it's a, there's another it's one. It's another one that wow. will go the whole game, I guess. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, I, I just don't think you understand what I'm saying, Sal. <laughs> I don't think I do either. <laughs> All right, let's go. The only thing I'll say, Parley Kid, is the Niners, and I love leaning on this stat. Yeah. They blitz twenty percent of the time. They're like that those giant teams that we hated. They rush four, they don't blitz, uh, and they still end up with fifty-four sacks on the year. And I don't know if the running lanes will be there for Mahomes, but you're right. The the schemes uh, Andy Reid throws at you maybe maybe make it necessary for yeah, him to. Yeah, a, uh, a, a lot of the runs he's gotten, Sal, the last few games have not kind of been up the middle. They've literally been just like he rolls out and. He just takes it and goes. Um, so I, I, I think that's going to yeah. happen again here. You got to cover their receivers. You got, you got to, you got to cover them, especially if they're going to play the way the last couple teams have. Um, I, 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 you're right though. You make some good points, but I like this. That's all right. <laughs> You'll be in it till the end. That's a good thing. All right, uh, brother Bry, Kyle Dusjack, over nine and a half receiving yards. Man, this guy's a great blocker. This is what I love when I'm watching them. With all the, you talk about schemes. I think they threw 14 different running looks at the Packers. They didn't know what the hell they would to do with the Packers on defense. That's why they ended up with um, like six and a half yards per carry. And this guy's fully responsible. He and Kittle, aside from the offensive linemen, just nail their blocks. They're on it every single time. But you like him for over 
nine and a half receiving yards. Yeah, I like the over nine and a half receiving yards. Not necessarily quite your Gary Russell bet, but maybe a little bit like it. Um, <laughs> but I will say they line him up all over the place. He could they could line him up kind of as like a tight end or uh, in the split backfield. So um, I'm just gonna say. In this game, right, San Francisco to win, they're going to have to throw more. Obviously, they didn't need him. He was used primarily as a blocker in the last two playoff games. But they're gonna, they need to throw a little bit more in this game, which means a lot of play action. That's really what Shanahan designs. And in these type of games, especially in this game, I feel like Shanahan's going to start getting a little bit creative um, where Yushek uh-huh. will come into play. So he had 20 catches this year in 12 games. He averaged 12 yards a catch. I expect... Huh. Um, I expect a big play. I, I feel like he comes up with big plays. And again, we, we've really just seen him more blocking, but uh, I do think he's a fantastic receiver too. Cause even I think in prior years, he's had 30, 35 catches. So I think he really only needs one catch to get over this nine and a half yards. So um, I, I don't know. I really like this one again, even though he's done nothing, but they haven't had to throw those last few games, but they have to throw this game. Okay, but here's what I'm worried about with this bet. Let's say he goes three and a half quarters without a reception over nine and a half yards. You know what? (laughs) Brian, Brian, let me just ask you this, Brian. Brian, if I would have said, if I would have said one of my picks is uh, the game would go overtime, Sal would have blasted me. (laughs) Let's let's be honest. It's not true. I liked it on locking in. True. No, you don't. No, you don't. Last time you liked the plus like eight hundred was about last time you liked the I like it. the last time you liked the plus eight hundred was <laughs> never. What are you talking about? We're, we bet all uh, first touchdowns all over the place. You're crazy. <laughs> that's separate uh, and that's different. All right, <laughs> all right. I'm sorry, Harry. Harry, uh, let's check your blood pressure. I don't like this. We got we got to keep it down. I'm, call, I'm calling right, the Marley nurse in right now. I need Demarcus Robinson. <laughs> Demarcus Robinson. Over 15 and a half longest reception. We won't get into what part of the game this needs to hit, but you like this. Yeah. Uh, I think the 49ers here, Sal, are going to do a really good job, at least early, of taking away uh, Hill, Kelsey, uh, and then you're looking at Watkins. I think this is where some of the role players are going to have to step up for both teams. Uh, Let's just take the Chiefs. They like to throw it, so... Uh, just watching Robinson the last few games, he has not been nearly as uh, integral uh, part of the offense as he was maybe earlier in the season. But uh, this takes one pass. The Chiefs, when they do throw, they like to get the ball down the field. Uh, all their receivers are good after the catch, uh, Robinson included. Um, so I, I kind of like this. Just, again, one one catch over 15.5, minus 110. Uh, I think early in the game, these role players are going to play a big factor in it. So I expect him to get two or three targets uh, in the first quarter, hoping one of those hits and he goes over and then you uh, cash out right there in the first quarter. And if not, you've got the rest of the game to do it. I think you're liking the Chiefs, Parley Kid. I'm looking back here. Yeah, I think you yeah, like the Chiefs. I, I yes. Chiefs in overtime here or something. I don't well, know. I'm trying to figure is, it out. I'm well, everything is offensive related with the Chiefs, right? right. So I like their offense. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Brother Bry, yeah, I feel like we're going a lot of overs here. And then, like, the the unders hit. But Bry's got his shortest touchdown under and everything. But it, it is fun. It, the, right, it pops right out you, the over. Like, oh, 15 and a half, 11 and a half, over. Yeah. Brother Bry, you like one of the cross-board uh, parlays, uh, props, rather. 
Simmons and I went over a couple of these. Yes, I do. But I'm also, you were just, what you were just talking about, I'm starting to get nervous with all these props that I'm going to lose a lot of money. Um, so <laughs> uh, I right. do, I know, I know, whatever. March it is what Madness is. isn't is until like three weeks from now, four weeks, maybe more. <laughs> I know I can win it back in NBA regular season basketball, I guess the next yeah. week. Um, so I, the, the one that I thought was the most fun when you're looking at cross props, I mean, obviously there's Giannis ones, but, uh, when I, there is a Zion prop. So it's, uh, I do like the first half chiefs, 49ers points minus four and a half versus Zion points versus the Rockets in that game. So I think this is a fun one because I mean, the only thing that sucks is your root, like you want Zion to do well. You want the chiefs 49ers to be high scoring, but I think it's fun either way. Um, I expect the first half to be rather high scoring. I'm not necessarily sure about the first quarter, uh, just because historically the first quarters are low. But again, Kansas City, I think they averaged like 12, over 12 points a game in the second quarter alone. So I expect it to get high scoring. I think I think it's going to be like a 14-14 game at half, but maybe 14-10. Even if it's 14-10, that means Zion has to go over 19 and a half. So that's why I like, I like him going under the number just because just in case this game gets a little out of hand i i mean zion's minutes are being watched still so much that um i'm not necessarily sure if if they're going to keep him in long enough to get over 25 points so um again i think this is just a fun one to play uh fun fun one to watch the the rockets pelicans game so uh why not that is going to be a good one. I you talk about inflated lines. I think Zion, since he hit the four threes, that number will always be will be inflated for the next couple of weeks. Um, and meanwhile, the doctors could take him out at any time. It's like right, exactly. It's like Gentry wants him in. The players want him in. If the doctors like, nah, no, nah, no, nah. we're we're imposing load management on you with five minutes left. I think this is a good bet. Chiefs 49ers, four half first half. The other day, even his his shoe fell off, and then like he had a. It looked like right. he was limping, but I think it was just because his shoe was off. And then, you know, then they took him out for like five minutes in the third quarter. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, always that possibility. His shoe could fall off and you could win this bet. Well, that's a lot to digest. It's a bunch of uh, bunch of props right there. And let's hit the first touchdown pool. We have a first touchdown pool. We started before the playoffs. We put up 200 fake dollars. Four of us pick. We agree on a site that lists odds for the first touchdown. You have to bet at least $10 a game, at least $5 on a pick. Um, what else? Oh, and so then whoever's ahead by however much, whatever they've accumulated, everybody else. Wow. Maybe I need to be a hospitalist. Everybody else has to pay that person what their, uh, total cumulative number is. Brother Bry charged ahead last week, picking both first touch touchdown scores in championship games, Derek Henry and Raheem, uh, Mostert was like eight to one and nine to one. You cashed in on that. Correct. So. The standings are as such. Bry two thirty two fifty. If it were to end today, we would all owe him two thirty two fifty. I have one hundred twenty seven fifty. Darren Parley Kid has one hundred and ten. That's right, right? Yep. And Harry zero. Shut out. Wow. Harry, you're the defending champ here, right? You have zero. Terrible. Terrible. No good. <laughs> all right. Well, there is a lot of luck involved. So now we had our picks ready for this podcast. Um, I had everybody email me. And then I emailed Harry and I'll tell you, I have $15 on Mostert at eight to one and $15 on Kittle at nine to one. Parley Kid has 40 on Mostert, $5 on Robinson. Yep. Uh, Brother Bry, $10 Mostert, $5 Kittle, $5 Kelsey, $5 Samuel. 
Harry has 25 on Samuel, Debo, Debo Samuel, and $10 on the belldozer at 40 to 1. So, bottom line is I fucking lost this thing. I can't win. I'm done. <laughs> I was going to oh, say. So you, can't, so you can't win at the end of the game then. That's what you're saying. Oh, you son of a bitch. You there you go, Harry. I can't win if they played, unless they played an extra game. I couldn't win. You're right, Harry. Uh, <laughs> if the only way, in fact, Brian doesn't win is if Mostert scores, Parley Kid wins, or Robinson scores. Yep. Or if Samuel scores, Harry wins. Or if Bell scores, a backup tight end for the Chiefs, who is my Gary Russell uh, losing prop of the, of the year. Uh, what, at 40 wait, to 1. Wait, so Sal, what did uh, Parley kid in? How much did he put on Mostert then? He put a lot. You put a lot. He had 40 on Mostert. Oh, $40. Okay. He had 45 oh, left. Right, he had right, 40 right. on Mostert. Yeah. So uh, I, I think my math is right. I definitely know that I'm out of this shit. Um, and uh, I think those are the only four players amazing. that could beat it, you. So Harry could still win with Samuel scoring then. Yes. That's, that's right. Yeah. Well, I'm still in it. That, that's great, Harry. What does Harry have on Samuel? I think he can. 20, Did I not figure this no, out? No, right? So no, you're, you're right. Because he, he put 25. Like if I would have put 10, if I put 10 on Samuel, he couldn't have won. But now he can. Now yeah, he so you would chance. get to 297, Bry, and Harry gets to uh, 250 and six, yeah, like 315 or something. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So he, yep, he would win. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of, now here's I, the I will say I had a little thing. bit of a strategy yeah. here figuring something like this would happen, but. Well, uh, you, your I strategy knocked me out. I would kick you out. Debo. It definitely knocked me out, your strategy, brother Bri. But I'll say this. Uh, if if Harry were running this pool, I had everyone send me theirs, and I sent Harry. If Harry were running this pool, you guys have no idea who I was going to pick. I could have taken a look at everybody's picks. I'm like, oh, shit, I lose if I take Mostert and Kittle. Why don't I take Bell and uh, put, all, put all my money on uh, Samuel or something? Harry would have done that in a second. Does yes. everyone agree? Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's true harry you would not have conceded this early not denying it not denying it <laughs> uh i do think uh let's just talk about the bet in general though um i really like kittle i think they come out and try to prove something jimmy g is taking a lot of crap for only throwing or completing eight passes in the nfc championship game i think he comes out and throws to kittle he gets there uh Parlay kid, Mostert is. I mean, either this is like a sucker bet or it's 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 way too high for Mostert, right? Yeah, I I do think let's uh, you know like you're saying. I think the 49ers uh, will probably. I think they actually might come out throwing, uh, but if they still get it within yeah. the two or three yard line, they're running right. So uh, I'm just playing it. Uh, now I'm trying to play the numbers here, and I think at eight to one, that's. Uh, Pretty good value still for him to score that uh, opening touchdown, uh, or Definitely. at any point during a game, I think he's getting in the end zone. So there's other odds, obviously, for him too throughout the game. But uh, yeah, let's. Um, I had to do it, and uh, even though I'm all over the Chiefs, I do think I would not be surprised mm -hmm. that the 49ers started this game with the lead at some point. Well, I, I think I don't think it's bad. A guy's coming off a four touchdown game. It he shouldn't be eight to one. I'm surprised more people aren't betting that down to like six yes. to one, even it's early in the week as yes. it is right now. Harry, Harry, I know you did stuff to block people and everything, but who do you really think is going to score the first touchdown? Is it Debo Samuel? <laughs> no, I, you know what? I do agree with Parley. I think if San Fran wins the toss, uh, or you know, obviously if San Francisco or Kansas City loses, they may uh, um, get the ball in the second half. I think they. Uh, 
If San Francisco gets the ball, I think they pass the ball and try to try to show that they uh, have this type of uh, offense where they can throw the ball. I mean, let's not forget that, you know, people want to slam Jimmy G, but he did have almost 4,000 yards passing this season. He had two-to-one ratio in touchdowns to interceptions. Um, I think he, uh, I think Sal also, you're correct, where he hits Kittle a little bit here. And also a forgotten man that needs to show up too, that they got to incorporate in the offense is Emmanuel Sanders down the field too. He's got, he's done nothing in the playoffs, uh, hasn't even yeah. really been looked at. So that's another weapon mm-hmm. that they have that they got from Denver midway through the season. I think maybe through, uh, was that week eight, week nine, maybe 10. And uh, I think they need to incorporate him a lot more in the offense too. And to be much more balanced. Uh, Cause then when you're a little closer to the end zone, yeah, maybe you do run the ball, but also I think they may try to go downfield 15, 20, 25 yards to start the start the game when they have the ball. All right, Harry, you, well, you got it done before the anthem. That's good. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I do. I, I think they're going to throw a lot. I do. And I think I said it, Jimmy G over 19 completions is, is a, one of my favorite props out there. And he's going to be throwing in that first drive for sure. What about you, Bri? You, I mean, you had to play defense here with the lead, but who do you like? Uh, yeah, well, that's the thing. So uh, I do think San Francisco gets out to an early, uh, early lead here. So I do, I do really like Mostert. Um, I like Kittle. Um, I guess the question I would have for you guys now is if Mostert scores a touchdown, it's going to be really expensive for any of us, um, I guess, uh, with, oh, yeah. especially with part of the kids. So should we just all hedge and actually bet like 50 bucks on Mostert at like eight to one just to like just to cover what you would pay? Not, not a bad idea. Parlay kid. I'm thinking Interesting. About it. I'm thinking about it because, yeah, now I, I was rooting for him. Now it's it's weird. Now I'm just now I'm not rooting for him to score. So. You can't. Um, yeah, everything's all messed up here. Uh, but yeah, Harry I can't even I like afford a copay. This is going to be tough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the way, Harry sounds great. I'm still waiting for like a paging doctor in the background. Something, you know, I don't hear anything. It doesn't sound like a hospital. I don't you know, know what? if he's there either. And, and, yeah. Angie, Angie's, like I'm some celebrity, Angie's watching the door for me to make sure if somebody's coming in for me to take my temperature or anything, she's holding them off until we're done. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> You okay out there, right. She's okay. What's that? I just asked her if she's, she's okay after. She said she is. She takes care of you. She really does. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the hot air balloon landed right in the hospital bed. It's an amazing <laughs> life you have here. Uh, all right, guys, give me your final score and give me your Twitter handles and everything else and where everyone can find you. Starting with you, Polly Kid. So I'm at the Chalk Talker. Chiefs 34, San Francisco 27. Can't wait for that day to get here. Um, happy Super Bowl, everybody. It's going to be fun. All right, Brother Bry, final score. Yeah, I'm at the Brother Bry on Twitter. Um, I like, uh, I hate I hate that I'm doing this. I'm an asshole for going against Mahomes, but I like the 49ers um, in a close game, uh, relatively high scoring. So I like it at uh, 31-27. But again, this might be me going against uh, Burrow in the championship game uh, with Mahomes. I know our friend Trevor is going to be pissed at me, but uh, <laughs> but why not? 49, take the 49ers with the getting the point. I'm still surprised the line uh, hasn't changed a little bit, but whatever. I don't know if you can call Trevor a friend after this. All right, Harry, <laughs> I hope you live long enough to see this. What's the final score? Yeah, sorry, Trev, but I'm going to go San Francisco, too. Uh, I think the San Francisco defense bends but doesn't break. They'll give up some things, some plays. But I think Joey Bosa, like I said, Fred Warner's going to have a big game. Jimmy Ward, Quan Williams, uh, Richard Sherman lead the way defensively and get it done barely. San Francisco, 34. Kansas City, 31.
Wow, I'm the only one uh, taking the under here. Oh, oh, slightly, slightly. But uh, I like it. Uh, San Francisco again. Sorry, Trevor. San Francisco 28, Kansas City 24. I think San Francisco gets control. I think uh, Casey comes back much like they do. I think we have an exciting fourth quarter, but it's uh, Jimmy G, MVP, 49ers prevail. And Jim Cunningham, give us your $2 million pick. Why don't we make this $4 million? It's the last one. Yeah, what one, the right? hell? Double or nothing <laughs> for everything. I like uh, San Francisco, 24-21. And you can find me on Twitter at Jim Cunningham, the Iser ones. There you go. Jim likes the under. All right. Good job, fellas. Good job by you all. Harry, feel better. Coming up, former Kansas City Chiefs running back, Priest Holmes. He has a Super Bowl ring with the Ravens and one of the greats, certainly a fantasy football Hall of Famer, maybe a regular Hall of Famer. For God's sakes, keep listening. We have a clergyman coming on. Priest Holmes. All right, welcome back to Against All Odds. Super Bowl week here in Miami and on the line right now. What a better way to celebrate this week. Three-time Pro Bowler. Hey, he's got a Super Bowl ring himself with the Baltimore Ravens and a member of the Kansas City Chiefs Hall of Fame. We're going to try to get him into Canton, the real Hall of Fame. The great Priest Holmes. What's happening, Priest? Thanks for coming on Against All Odds. I'm doing good. I appreciate the intro. And, uh, you know, that's not too bad. You know, the uh, Hall of Fame opportunity, you know, they always say that it's good to even be a part of the conversation. So I'm in the conversation. Uh, I've been, you know, selected as one of the guys that has an opportunity to get to the next level. So I'm excited. You should be you should be excited and you should be more than just a part of the conversation. Let me kiss your ass a little bit here. Uh, 86 touchdowns, over 8000 yards um, in only 113 games. Uh, Edge James, who's up for consideration. I don't want to make this a competition. 80 touchdowns, played 148 games has a few more yards. But I think uh, I think you're first of all, you're the, the greatest undrafted running back of all time. They have some listed in the 1940s that I didn't see, but I have a feeling you're better than them. Um, what do you what do you think about that? Do you think uh, were, were you disappointed that you weren't listed this year or are you like, all right, next year? Then, then it gets tricky after next year. No, not not definitely not disappointed. I mean, it is a process. It's always been that way when you think of uh, these types of selections. And it's also, like I always say, it's all about who you know. Um, I know that there, of course, has tons of my buddies that are in the in the Hall of, Hall of Fame. Um, Willie Rove, Will Shields, Tony Gonzalez. You know, so it gives an opportunity for me to uh, at least have my name mentioned amongst those guys that, uh, that I've played with. But, you know, like anything, there's always that special committee that gets that final vote. So, you know, definitely I need to get somebody in the room that knows that's part of that committee that when I was playing, they recall my time and uh, maybe have a little bit better edge. That's right. And you know what? Yeah, don't mention edge. I know you didn't mean to say edge, but edge, yeah, that, that's your competition right now. But no, you know, it couldn't <laughs> hurt to send an edible arrangement to the committee, too. I don't know. I, I could I can get their names and we could we could send those out. We got to get you in the hall, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Uh, first of all, I think fantasy owners should vote on skill position players because you were one of the greatest. You put back-to-back 20-plus touchdown years, and I think it's just you and Emmett Smith that did that. You, um, What's the key to your longevity? Is it, is it anything more than luck? Now, I know you had some injuries late in your career, but you lasted 10 years, which is like three careers nowadays for a running back. What would you say is the secret? Well, I think it's a number of things. I, you know, the one little story that I can share on that is that when I was in Baltimore, uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Ernest Biner, uh, definitely a mm-hmm. great running back at that particular time, played for a long time. 
Um, I spent one year with him in Baltimore, and then he became uh, helping out with the running backs in his in that second year. So one of the things that I learned is that he told me, he says, Priest, there's two things that are very important for you to know right now. He said that there's a big difference between a running back and a professional. And he says, if you want to just be here and be a good running back and, 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 and score a lot of touchdowns and, and, and run yards, you can do that. But then there's the guy that's the professional, and he's going to spend the time learning the game. He's going to break down tape. He's going to know his opponent, and he's going to also try his best to put his body in the best con- condition each off season. So I think I took that approach and I became a student of the game. And I think that was what allowed me to, to last as long as I did is because I really knew the dynamics of what the offense was trying to achieve on the field. And then I could also break down a defense and understand what their approach was and, and how they were, were going to stop us. Now, again, I felt like I studied every game and that I had the winning formula but it didn't always serve in terms of giving us a W, but in terms of allowing my career to, to last as long as it did, I did have that opportunity. So I've seen a lot of games. I've played against a lot of teams, and I've seen the good players, and I've seen the bad players as well. I mean, that's great to hear, honestly. It just it must be refreshing. Like, you have to put in the work, I guess, right? Not only just training and everything and trying to stay healthy and, and injury-free, but you watch tape, and you got, you know, that gave you a little... Uh, that gave you a little advantage too. I'm very familiar with your work, but I, I, I didn't stop me from watching Priest Holmes highlights on YouTube uh, last night. And there's no shortage. Let, let me ask you, which current running back style would you say yours is similar to? I want to say Derrick Henry, but I think you're a little more agile than Derrick Henry. Definitely. You know, when I played in Baltimore, um, it was three yards in a cloud of smoke. And of course that Baltimore offense didn't fit my running style. We had a number of, great backs that was at that particular time. We had Jerome Bettis, Eddie George, um, number of backs, Fred Taylor. So it was guys that were pretty much 6'2", 6'3", 225 to 250 pounds. And mm-hmm. so that really wasn't my style. But I do know that there were a number of backs that were kind of coming along during that time that were doing things that were very different, like Marshall Falk. And he brought something that was different to the game. He had 1,000 yards receiving, 1,000 yards rushing in, in one particular season. And so that really started changing the game when I came about in that late 90s and early 2000s to where you had mm-hmm. a back that could not only run in between the tackles, but he can also go out for a pass and then he also could run the screen. So that just allowed me to be a different type of back. And I think the backs that we see here now, I wouldn't say a hindering just because of the size and, and his approach of running downhill and, and running to the perimeter. Uh, excellent back. He brings an A game to the field when he comes in plays. But in terms of just that flexibility to be able to block, pick up third down reads, go out for a pass, run a five-yard out, catch the ball, and consistently know you can catch the ball. And then running the screen and setting up the lane, I just think that it was just a different type of back. And there's a lot of backs that look and do that now. Uh, Backs are smaller as well. Um, I can't necessarily say what's the one back that I would say that, you know, kind of resembles my running style. But, you know, I can tell you that there's a lot of good backs that are out there. All right. Well, that's that's very diplomatic of you. Let me ask you this. Who do you root for in the pros? Now, I know you grew up in te- you're born in Arkansas. You know better than I do. You're born in Arkansas, <laughs> grew up in Texas. Do you root for the Chiefs, uh, do the Texans or Cowboys? Or uh, I know you idolized Tony Dorsett, as I did uh, as a kid, um, or you're a Chiefs fan because you, you finished your career there. Yeah, I grew up uh, idolizing Tony Dorsett. Always wanted to see if I could ever run a 99-yard touchdown. You know, that yeah. actually never happened. <laughs> uh, got close to it, but I was probably shy by probably 20 yards. So maybe in the 70 <laughs> range, I may have had a touchdown, but definitely not a 90-yard run. But, uh, you know, in terms of just 
the backs that I grew up watching, of course, the Oilers, you know, you had really great backs like that, like Earl Campbell, but a different mm-hmm. style, a different type of back. I wasn't built like him. I was built more like the backs that I kind of talk about that were coming through Dallas, you know what I'm saying? So um, that's one thing that was pretty, pretty exciting about that. But who I root for ultimately, of course, I think that even though my first four years, my dark years were in Baltimore where I had to learn the game, understand that I was a tackling dummy my first year and understand I couldn't say crap back to the defense or else I was going to be out of there. Uh, yeah, it was one of those types of situations there in Baltimore. But then again, you know, I grew, got four years underneath me, became more as a veteran, and then I had an opportunity to excel in Kansas City. So I really feel that obviously, you know, my, my loyalties go with the Chiefs. That's where my career really took off. But again, the Ravens also, I've got some great relationships there as well. So I was rooting for both teams. It would have been great to see uh, an opportunity for them to play against each other in the AFC. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, even though that didn't take place, uh, there's another opportunity for the Chiefs to be successful, and I'm going to be rooting them on, and I'll be in Miami next week. There you go. All right, you know, you mentioned Earl Campbell. I want to jump back real quick. Obviously, one of the greats. Did you take his number at Texas? Did you, did you have 34 at Texas? No, no, no. Ricky Williams, I believe, ended up, his last maybe year or two switching over to 34 when he broke all kind of crazy records, of course, I got there. Uh, but my, yeah, my number was 33, obviously going back to, you know, uh, none other than those Dallas Cowboy days early on, you know? So, you know, that's kind of where my loyalties have always been with that particular number. And then it wasn't until I got to Baltimore where I kind of said, okay, enough with Tony Dorsett and doing the 33. I changed to 31 when I was in Kansas City and just kind of created uh, kind of a different name and face with that number. And more people I know are more familiar with 31 or just homes than how I even look or if they could even recognize me in person. But if you see that number and you see homes on the jersey, you know, it probably will will recognize that I had some kind of stint in Kansas City while playing. It is weird that the number can make that. If you went double zero for, you know, everyone will remember you like that. Um, All right. So you're rooting (laughs) for the Chiefs. It's interesting because you obviously did your damage on the ground. This is a matchup where the 49ers, I think they average like 149 yards per game on the ground. They're the running team. The Chiefs are the passing team. What's going to happen in this game? Well, I mean, it really just seems like you, you can't kill Patrick Mahomes. In fact, you can't even get a lead on him at halftime, even though you could be down up 17-7 as the Titans were or 24-0 as the uh, Texans were. Whereas the 49ers, just the opposite. Shanahan's team controls the game through the run. Um, you're not going to score on them a lot in the first half. How do you see this game flowing? Well, I think for the 49ers, with them definitely having the ability to control the ground, game they'll have an, an advantage because if they can get out and have a number of carries have a number of downs where they can execute and and have a drive that consists of over 10 to 12 to 13 uh different plays that's going to eat up the clock and that's going to allow l- l- less time obviously for the Kansas City Chiefs offense to be on the field if you can absorb it with the run but just with me going back to those to Super Bowl 35 when I had the opportunity to play as that third down back uh, with the Baltimore Ravens behind Jamal Lewis. It, mm-hmm. What I could see and what I could tell is that an offense is always going to get you to the Super Bowl. But in order to win it, it's going to take a defense. So even though I think that the ground game for the 49ers is a big deal with their averaging over 149, and then also what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do uh, offensively of leading his team, I still believe that from what I've experienced, I really feel that it's going to be the defensive side of the ball that's going to control the game, and it's going to only allow that momentum to switch only a couple of times. And whoever gets that second momentum when it switches over, that's the team that's going to go ahead and be successful in the Super Bowl. 
That's solid analysis, and it really is. And you might not like the Chiefs running game as much, but Patrick Mahomes, I was saying, he does something interesting. I want your thoughts on him as just as a, a raw talent in general. But even when he runs the ball, he runs, he, he takes off to a right-handed quarterback running left, and the defense kind of has to respect that even running left, he could zing it 40 yards, you know, across the field. So, and he usually finds, I think he has over 120 yards rushing in the last two games. He is just such a dynamite force and so much to worry about with him. How does he rank in, in terms of the raw talent, talented quarterbacks you've seen in the past? Well, definitely. I believe he's off the charts in terms of just that, um, that the, the ability just to be successful and to be on, on the move, create a play. And we saw that with the 26-yard run that he had last week where he was running off to the left. It looked as if he was going out of bounds. And, of course, the rules have changed. And so I think that uh, the aggressiveness of defensive defenders, I think they pull back when they start seeing a quarterback going towards the sideline because one or two things are going to happen. He's going to run out of bounds, and you're either going to hit him and then drag him to the ground and get a penalty or get fined. And I think I saw a little bit of that on that run last week where I think the defense just kind of held up a little bit on the sideline not to punish him. And then, of course, mm -hmm. he took advantage of it and turned up field and scored that 26-yard touchdown. But the other thing that is, that's different about the Chiefs' offense is that even though there's lots of passes that are being thrown by Mahomes, he's only flicking the ball in front of him maybe one or two yards. And it looks like it's really a run, but it's actually noted as a pass. But it's really just getting the ball in the hands of Tariq Hill and getting that ball into the hands of Williams in the backfield and allowing them to just work their magic on the perimeter. So I think that, again, off the charts in terms of his IQ, uh, he's a two-sport athlete, and there's always been something special about guys that are, that are able to excel at a high level with two sports, and they right. bring something special to the field, and I think that's what we're all seeing. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to gauge what you think. I know you're rooting for the Chiefs, but I don't know the way you speak highly of the defense. I think you, you I think you think it's going to be a close game. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a close game because it, I I do not see going into Miami and these teams just letting loose offensively and the defenses are just sitting back and allowing them to be handled however they may. I really believe just with the excitement, the anticipation, even the anxiety of just being ready to play in this particular game, which is the biggest stage on earth right now for sports, um, it's going to be very, very time consuming with these players of how they're going to figure out how to be successful on offense. Because the defense, they just got to sit back, pull their ears back and play defense and put a helmet on somebody. And I think if defenses do that, what they've always known to do, that's what's going to allow them be successful now the honey badger one of my favorite players uh i like <laughs> the position that he's in of being a veteran um it just makes a big difference i like his story i like the success he's had throughout his career and even the down times where he's had his injuries where he's had to suck it up and even look at himself as a different player of like am i going to really be a veteran now and help lead this team defensively and i think i'm starting to see that transpire on the fields over the last two three years with him he had a solid a couple of game-changing plays uh, last week against uh, Tennessee. Yeah, he's he's definitely pumped for this game. All right, uh, Preach, do you like to gamble in, in general? Do, are you a gambler? Uh, in general, if, if I'm only gambling on myself, that's probably the only like time I'm like to gamble. But, uh, yeah, that kind of says it all. No, not really. But uh, if I'm going to gamble, definitely I'm going to make sure that I'm in the controlling seat of it uh, and all odds are on me to make a decision. All right. Well, that no, that's that's admirable for sure. But whether you're a betting man or not, I must ask you. National anthem, Demi Lovato, over or under two minutes long? What do you think? Over or under? Uh, it's going to be under. Definitely say that. It's under, huh? She doesn't show off. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it has to be. It has to be under. I'm sure it's in the contract. It's got to be under. Look at you, under two minutes. All right, I I think I can get good odds on the under there. I'm going to parlay it with heads for the uh, coin toss, and we're going to make some money here. (laughs) Uh, Priest Holmes, thanks so much for coming on uh, Against All Odds. Good luck. 2021 Hall of Famer Priest Holmes. You heard it here first. Thanks again, pal. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, that'll do it for another episode of Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. See me on Locking In, FS1, 4.30 to 5.30 Eastern here in Miami, and a special Locking In Props Edition on The Real Fox Saturday night. Also watch Jimmy Kimmel Live, 11.35 tonight and every weeknight on ABC. I'll also be on the pregame show. I'll have a comedy bit there. I think it's like a seven-hour pregame show, and I'll have a minute and 40 seconds, so find me. (laughs) Locate me somewhere. That's that. For the degenerate trifecta, Bill Simmons, Hill producer Jim Cunningham and Priest Holmes, I'm Sal saying so long and happy handicapping. Now-